Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. Please stay tuned for another lesson on this program by Jeff Archie. Are you listening? Thank you very much, Jay, and greetings, everyone. In a previous program, we presented what many believe is the number one question asked of God, and that is, why is there suffering in the world? Of course, this question is asked in other ways. Why do bad things happen to good people is another way it is asked. And of course, if there is a loving God, why does all this go on? Time only allowed us to consider our introduction and to address and affirm from the outset that our loving God did not create suffering. In turn, our study paused and considered, why is it that God always gets the blame for things that are bad or things that go wrong? Both non-religious and even religious people want to blame God. Dear friends, we wish not to fault anyone. In times of tremendous stress and suffering, one will question and begin to think in the effort and the trying of sorting things out. Even Job and the Lord Jesus Christ did question God. We did affirm, however, that God should not be blamed, but rather Satan himself, going back to Genesis chapter 3. Because it is Satan that brings the suffering into this world. And when suffering comes, it is because of sin. And let us lay the blame at the one who brought it into the world. Again, Satan himself. So when individuals question God, many times we do so out of stress and confusion and hurt and in seeking of answers. It is that purpose today that we wish to continue this thought. First, it does help me to remember, as I think about suffering, pain, and evil, that God did not create them. Lee Strobel, in his article, Why Does God Allow Tragedy and Suffering?, said the following. Let's make this crystal clear once more. God did not create evil and suffering. Now, it's true that He did create the potential for evil to enter the world, because that was the only way to create the potential for genuine goodness and love. But it was human beings, in our free will, who brought that potential evil into reality. And again, Mr. Strobel. He replies, Some people ask, Couldn't God have foreseen all of this? And no doubt He did. But look at it this way. Many of you are parents. Even before you had children, couldn't you foresee that there was the very real possibility they may suffer disappointment or pain or heartache in life, or that they might even hurt you and walk away from you? Well, of course, but you still had kids. Why? Because you knew there was also the potential for tremendous joy and deep love and great meaning. I appreciate the words of Mr. Strobel in that article, Why Does God Allow Tragedy and Suffering? And, of course, I'll mention a little bit more about him in a moment as we continue to look at this study. Again, we are discussing the number one question to be asked of God, and this is part two. And before we address our study further, 
allow me to acknowledge the following. Concerning again Mr. Strobel, I will use and modify his points of light from the article, Why Does God Allow Tragedy and Suffering? These will allow us to use them as main points that seem to help an explanation. Strobel concluded his article by saying, If you'd like more on the question of why God allows pain and suffering, please see the Case for Faith, which is available for free through local libraries. And second, dear friends, we acknowledge that throughout our vast listening audience, of which we are grateful for each and every one of you, that there are many of you who are struggling, who are suffering, and you're faced with a myriad of illnesses and strifes which we cannot even imagine. We hope this broadcast will be of help, and to God be the glory. As our kind announcer, Jay Webb, constantly says, we hope that this is informative, and we hope that this will edify you and will help you. If there are further questions you may have, we will be glad to help as we can. And you may go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, scroll down, and leave us your message. Let us hear from you, and let us see how we can help. And third, if you would like to hear the entire Part 1 broadcast titled, The Number 1 Question to be Asked of God, Part 1, please listen to our J. Webb as he mentions our podcast partners where previous programming is available. J. Hello, friends. Miss a broadcast of Are You Listening? Please know you may easily access previous broadcasts through our podcast partners at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. Just search for International Gospel Hour, and you can find previous broadcasts of Are You Listening? They are always there, 24-7, for you to listen or download. And now, let's continue our study today. And now, dear friends, let us continue our discussion, the number one question to be asked of God, why is there suffering in the world? First of all, our loving God can take suffering which is not good and use it to bring forth good. Let's think about 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, when the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. This is a beautiful text, dear friends, and one that I refer to quite often in my labors when I conduct funerals and even in discussing with individuals about suffering and what God can do. At this point in the discussion, let us cease blaming God, if you will, because our loving God did not create suffering. So let's stop and let's back off a little bit and not look at what we think God did, but let us now know what God can do. Once again, allow me to share Second Corinthians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, 
so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Dear friends, He is the God, the Almighty, first and foremost. He is God, the Creator. He created. He resurrected. He is way more than sufficient to comfort us in times of trouble and affliction. Nobody else can ever make that claim and deliver the help and the encouragement and the comfort that we need. When we examine that verse, we also see He is the Father of mercies. The word mercies there, as in to pity one, the emotions and the acts of pity as defined by A.T. Robertson in his Word Pictures of the New Testament. God is the Almighty with more than plenty of mercy. I find myself already seeing that when I am in tribulation or heavy trouble or trials, that God has more than enough, more than sufficient. He is overloaded with it to help me through that moment. And dear friends, there is no one else to whom I can turn. Let's notice also that he's called the God of all comfort. All right, friends, let's talk about this just for a moment. The word comfort there is a word that means a calling to one side. He is the God of one's side. He is the God to whom we would call. It's an exhortation to do better, an exhortation that he will help us with a better direction. It's a consolation to console or to comfort. Uh, for example, this word is also used in Luke 2 and verse 25 to where we find the phrase looking for the consolation of Israel that is equivalent to the waiting for the coming of the Messiah, that God will comfort us. He will console us by sending Jesus into the world. So it's a calling to one side, and it's akin to where when we go to comfort someone who is in a trouble, maybe someone who's lost a loved one, we usually go to their side and sit with them and talk with them. We may hold their hand or give them a hug, whatever it might be. That's the idea of the word comfort. Also, this word means to one's aid. Now, this will suggest that this is the capability or the adaptability for giving aid. In the widest sense of the word, it signifies one who is a, an old English word, a succorer or a comforter. And it expresses to aid one who is overwhelmed by their troubles. All that is left is a plea for help. Like, for example, from Matthew 15 and verse 25, we find the woman of Canaan whose daughter was demon-possessed. And in Mark 9, 22-24, there's a father whose son was possessed also. They came to Jesus, for Jesus was the only one who could give aid. They had tried everything else. They were down to their last plea for help. And they found that Christ was the one to come to their aid. He was able to aid them in what they needed. It's kind of like aid, and I think of the national product simply titled 
band-aid that we put on our finger or a spot where we have cut ourselves, a band-aid. It bands together. It aids to keep that cut together so that it may heal. That's the idea of the word comfort. This word has a lot of deep meaning, dear friends. Here's another part. In the Latin, the word is to brave together. Now, that's a beautiful thought, that God comforts us. He's there for our tribulation or our affliction or, as I like to term it, our heavy trouble. He is there for us. And that we can breathe together, which means we can hold to each other, that God is there with me and I am with Him, and we're going to get through this thing that has, as we noted in our previous broadcast, words of tribulation and affliction that reflect from its original language. It presses down. It means to press. Our struggles press us. They weigh on us. They squeeze us in a narrow place. In the earlier broadcast, we elaborated that that word trouble or affliction to squeeze us in a narrow place, and we observed that it presses us down, that it just weighs on us. It's constantly there. It pushes. And is there any wonder why an individual would say, I I can't go on any longer? Why is this happening to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there suffering? Well, dear friends, now we're making the turn to say that God is there as He is the God of all comfort. He's the Almighty, meaning mighty in all, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He is the one to whom we go. He's certainly not the one we need to walk away from. He is there. He is alongside us for our aid. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, what did Jesus say? Come unto me. We have to make the move. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In First Peter 5, 7 and 8, when Peter warns us of Satan, the roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour, We are reminded to cast our cares upon the Lord. Dear friends, He is along aside us for our aid. And dear friends, as our Almighty Comforter and Aid Giver, God Almighty, He comes alongside of us and only God can take suffering which is not good and use it to bring forth good. Only God can take suffering which is not good and use it To bring forth good. When we think about these things, dear friends, think about how he does so. He does this by fulfilling his promise in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to who are the called according to his purpose. The New King James Version words it this way, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to His purpose. Now, dear friends, this sometimes will take an attitude change. For example, when I lost my father several years ago, and when my sister called me with the news, I was en route back to where I grew up about a three-hour drive. As I was driving on the road, I will never forget that I prayed out loud in my vehicle and said, Lord, I know good can come from this. 
and I know you will use this to strengthen and to help me. I was hurting at the time. I was not questioning God. After all, to be honest, my dad helped me with that. Because my dad looked at me once and said, My son, we're put here to live, and we are put here to die. And, of course, that's biblical, folks. That's Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. But that verse gave great assurance that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. It did not say everything would be good in life, dear friends. There are times we are hitting some tough, tough situations. But all things God works for the good of those who love Him. We need to look toward that end. And then notice also who have been called according to His purpose. Dear friends, maybe we need to make the change. I mean, those who have been called according to His purpose, how are we called? 2 Thessalonians 2.14 tells us that we are called by the gospel message. When we were called by the gospel message, which is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, when we hear that gospel message and we believe in Christ, we're instructed to repent of our sins, as in Luke 13.3 and 5 and Acts 2 and verse 38. We confess Christ as we see the eunuch did so in Acts 8 verse 37 as Jesus commanded in Matthew 10, 32, and 33. Then we are baptized into Christ, according to Galatians 3, 27, and Romans 6, 3 through 6. We are baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, Acts 2, and verse 38. We are raised to walk in a newness of life from baptism, Romans 6, 4, and 5. As a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, then we have a better walk. That gives us a better attitude. Dear friends, I'm going to graciously challenge us here that when we suffer, when we hurt, it it, it brings us to our knees and we don't know what to do, but we need to turn closer to God and seek our answers. Let's continue this thought how God can take suffering which is not good and use it to bring forth good. First of all, we've acknowledged nobody else can do that. I love this phrase from a counselor friend of mine by the name of Lonnie Jones in the Huntsville, Alabama area. Lonnie says, God can take a mess and make a masterpiece, and he can. When Mr. Strobel was researching for his book, The Case for Faith, he came across a statement that is quite profound. God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe, the death of God on the cross, and turned it into the very best thing that has happened in the history of the universe, the opening up of heaven to all who follow him. That's powerful. Therefore, if God can take the very worst circumstance imaginable and turn it into the very best situation possible, can He not take the negative circumstances of our lives and create something good from them? Allow these texts to renew us at this point. In Romans 5, 3 and 4, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. How do we rejoice in our sufferings? Look at the verse. The sufferings will produce endurance. Endurance will produce character. Character produces hope. All that is good that can come. And in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. To God be the glory. Number two. Our loving God will one day cease suffering and will judge evil. In 1 Peter 2.11, we are called strangers and pilgrims on this earth. 
and we seek a city to come, according to Hebrews 13:14. Dear friends, this world is not our home, and we are well aware of the day of judgment. Jesus teaches it in Matthew 25. I mentioned moments ago Hebrews 9:27. And even in Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, when our Lord will return, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then we wonder sometimes, why so long? I mean, even John the Apostle at the end of the Bible made the plea, Even so, come Lord Jesus, Revelation twenty two twenty. Why so long? Well, I submit to you, maybe it's some of us. That's why it is so long for the Lord's return. Maybe it's you, dear friend. Listen to Second Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is long-suffering. He wants us all to come to Him, our loving God. Dear friend, do you need to come to Him? Do you need to learn more of Christ? Let's listen to our J-Webb. Kind listeners, the International Gospel Hour offers absolutely free a Bible study course by mail so you may study in the privacy of your own home. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, I want the home study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988. And please leave your name, address, and just say, I want the home study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Click on the Contact tab and leave us the same information, name, address, and type, Please send the home study. We'll send it as soon as possible. Thanks always for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. Number three, dear friends, our loving God reminds us that suffering is short-term and eternity is long-term. Consider 2 Corinthians 4.17 that says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. This is coming from a man who spoke of his beatings for the cause of Christ in 2 Corinthians 11, yet he called it light. And in light of the rest of the verse, that this suffering is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Think on Romans 8.18 when Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Oh, dear friends, when we think of such a promise, it keeps one looking toward a home far better than this, with one's assurance that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 23.3 We need to pray in the moments of trial and tribulation, and we need to think about these things to where we may ask, Father, I may not understand it all, but use this to mature my faith. Help me, Lord, and as hard as it may seem and hard to accept, dear friends, through it all, it is short term compared to what God has in store for the faithful. And finally... Let's consider that our loving God is there. And here's the question now. Will we be bitter or become better? Dear friend, with what we are facing, with what we face, will we be bitter or better? Dear friends, we can lament or we can live. 
In his book, Why Suffering, on page 29, Ravi Zacharias said, When belief in God becomes difficult, the tendency is to turn away from Him. But in heaven's name, to what? That's a great question. As Peter said in John 6, verse 68, when there were disciples departing Christ, those who had been following Him, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We've all seen situations of suffering, and the same suffering causes or brings forth two choices. One can turn bitter, one can reject God, become hard and angry and sullen, or one can turn to God to become gentler, more loving and more tender, and willing to reach out to compassionately help other people who are in pain. Now, now, dear friends, let's pause for a moment and honestly ask, which is the best way? And when we pause and think about it, we know the best answer. Dear friends, we must not allow the things of life to make us bitter, or the things that will make us bitter or harmful. We need to become better. When we summarize this study together, here's what we come forth. Here's what we see. First of all, dear friends, please know that God did not create suffering. But God can bring forth good from suffering. Therefore, let's look for the good, turn away from the bad. Know that God will one day cease suffering. And God reminds us that suffering is short-term when you compare it to eternity. And God can make us better through our suffering. Dear friend, I kindly submit to you, don't have all the answers. Things open up in life that I have to look at, but I must look at them through God's will, God's word, through the Bible. I must rely upon the God of all comfort, and I must look unto Him to find the answers. I hope this broadcast has helped you toward that end. Again, as mentioned earlier, you can hear part one through our podcast partners, please go to internationalgospelhour.com. You'll find a list of our podcast partners. Or contact us at internationalgospelhour.com, and we'll be glad to link you the earlier lessons, and even link you this one as well. We wish to help. We wish to encourage. Let's continue our studies together, shall we? Thank you for joining me on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and until next time, keep listening.